We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Welcome to the Friday free-for-all mailbag. We are one week and a day away from Notre Dame football season. Officially kick it off. I saw in the chat before we even started here, everyone's really pumped and excited, as you should be, because we are close to football season. And let's all take this moment in, because we know that when we get into football season, things go by very quickly. So let's enjoy this. While we can, Brian Driscoll, I'm Ryan Roberts, favorite show of the week. Me and Brian were just talking about it before we started because it's just so much fun to be able to talk about what you all want to talk about, the community here at irishbreakdown.com. And I'm not going to lie, it's nice to let y'all do the show prep sometimes. Absolutely. (laughs) You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, man. That's, That's a great way to put it, is that this show is so much fun because, one, we get to talk about you guys. And what you want to talk about, we get to interact with the community here, which is always the best time. And also, we can show up right on time and just get going here and talk about whatever you all want to talk about. So I'm excited for it, man. I really am. This is our last Friday free-for-all mailbag before game week, Brian, which is pretty insane to think about. So let's get going, man. I'm ready. Yeah, let's do it, dude. I mean, I'm. I spoke at a, a thing last night in Chicago. A bunch of yep. die. Literally, their name is like diehard fans in Chicago. That was a lot of fun, man. So it's it's very interesting to see what people's opinions are of this team. You know, like, and, and some of them are just like super through the roof, and some of them I think I don't know. Like maybe they just don't want to get their hearts broken. It's like there was one it. guy that. So it was fun. We did like predictions. Everybody had to make their predictions, and so like one guy picked nine and three, and then you had to pick if they're going to beat Ohio State, beat Clemson, and beat USC. I had Notre Dame going two and one against those three teams, but then still going nine and three. And it's just like, I kind of feel like, I just think there's a lot of people that don't want to get too excited because they don't want to get let down again. And it's been 35 years, but I'm excited. I'm excited about this team. I'm excited about football season and I'm really, really, really ready to get rocking and rolling, man. So, um, yeah, let's sure. let's do it, man. Ryan's like, I know, man. Bring up the questions. Let's roll. Let's <laughs> no, you're do good, it, man. You're good. <laughs> we had, we had we hadn't talked about your speaking engagement last night. So yeah, it was all fun. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was. Uh, I wasn't sure what to expect, and then when I got there, I wasn't even sure if like this is the right place. 
Okay. And as soon as I got out of the car, I heard somebody playing the fight song with bagpipes. And I was like, yep, I'm at the right it's place. The place. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yes. <laughs> it was really good, man. It was a lot of fun. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Starting off with some super chats at a yeah, today, which is always fun. Raymond Harton. Raymond, what's up, man? Thank you so much for the super chat. Hey guys, do you think this is too much to hope for to see uh, for Charles Jagasaw to see some playing time this year? Thank you and go Irish. Well, he's definitely going to play, Ryan. Right? It's just whether or not he's going to play more than four games. And yeah. as of right now, it's hard to project that because we don't know how the starters are going to do. You know, I mean, exactly. look if Ryan, we've seen him take a lot of snaps with the second team in the last couple weeks, right? Yeah. At tackle, at guard. So they're clearly trying to say, hey, look, we got a this guy's not a five-year guy necessarily. And he's big, he's strong, he's athletic, and he's really talented. But he's still really raw too, right? Like, I mean, technically he's still really raw. And I, I don't I don't know if, you know, I, j- I just don't know where he's going to be by middle of the season. That's the thing, right? And we don't, with a kid like him, you just don't know when that light goes on and he just turns it up. Because when that happens, you're almost going to have to play him. He's just too big, too strong, too athletic. But I just don't know if that light goes on this year. Does it go on in the offseason? Does it go on next season? I, I really don't know. But, yeah, I, I get why people want to see him play. Like, that's the thing, right, what's nice about early in camp is you don't really know if you're right or wrong about recruits after one camp. Sure. But you, but you, you, can, you can see early on, like, okay, did I at least not miss on the talent? And that's what I love about this class. I've pointed it out before, Ryan. You and I have talked about it. I've talked about it with other people. Like athletically, we didn't miss on this class. Sure. I really can't think of a single guy that I look at and say, boy, just athletically, he's not what I thought he was going to be. Yeah, he, he he's he's just not. I, I you know, talent wise or size wise, he's not he's not what I really thought he was going to be. It's just some guys have a lot of learning to do. Micah Bell is every bit as smooth and explosive as you saw him in January and what we saw in film, but he's just got a lot of learning to do. 
Sure. And same with all the other guys. So that's the encouraging thing. And Jagasol clearly is just, I mean, he's a hit. He's bigger than, I mean, Ryan, you told me this. You, prepare, you try to prepare me for this. Like, yeah, he's bigger than, like, you know, he's, I know he's listed as 6'6 and 320 and all that, but like, you don't appreciate how big he actually is until you actually stand next to him. I mean, you told me that. I remember you telling me that, like, when you saw him in January. And I was like, yep, that's spot on. He just is, it, 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 he's just a massive, massive human being. And, and it's, and it's, Mostly good weight too, which is like the crazy part about him. You know, it's like he's a he's a six seven. And there's some reshaping, but he's not fat at all. He's just a no. big kid, a big athlete. Yeah. yeah, just a big big athlete. I mean, that's really what he is. And I mean, Raymond, to the question, like yeah, you'll see some of Charles Jagasaw this year. To Brian's point, to what scope? I think. I mean, if we if if I think that there's just such a question of as far as what are no, what is Notre Dame 100% getting at the guards inside, right? I mean, if there's a player that doesn't step up or there's an injury that happens, I mean, anything could get escalated a little bit, right? As far as like how quickly you see him on a more consistent basis. But regardless, I know that the fan perspective is you want to see the 6'7", 330-pound dude that's probably the most talented player that you signed in the 2023 class. Right. Like, that's what you want to see. But I have always been on this wavelength because I ended up having Charles Jackson as a five-star. I thought that he was incredible his senior year. But he was still incredible off of being bigger, faster, stronger than everyone he was playing against, not necessarily from a technical perspective. The long-term was always going to be better than the short-term with Charles Jackson. There are some five-stars. like I think of this as like Cardinal Tate, Brian. It's like Cardinal Tate, I feel like, is going to be – ready to play and also a very good player long-term, right? Like those yeah. two realities are pretty close together. Charles Jagasaw, I think could have played early on, but year two, year three, like that's why you're excited about Charles Jagasaw to your point. Like when that light comes on, because when it does, when the athletic upside meets the technical uh, prowess and the mental side of the game, all when all those things mm. merge together, he's a chance to be one of the best offensive linemen that Notre Dame has had over the last couple of years. Yeah. And that's saying a lot considering Notre Dame is offensive line you. So I'm excited about Charles. You're going to see a glimpse of it, I think, this year, Raymond. Might have to wait until 2024, though, to maybe get more of a full scope as far as how good that kid can be. Yeah, I wanted to get to a couple things. One, one Ryan, in response is Nathan Milton. Brian, is that not normal to be right about the talent? It doesn't. I mean, if it wasn't normal to be right about it, I'm in the wrong line of work. But what I'm saying is, is you have your projections, but you don't really know until you get them in a Notre Dame uniform and see them going against other Notre Dame players. Right? right. And, and then also it comes down to two. Sometimes guys just don't put in the work in the off season. Like I said, I, I don't know if you ever saw Josh Barajas's film, but you know, Notre Dame flips him from Penn so state. He was a really yeah. good player. And then he just shows up and you're like, that's not the dude that I saw in high school. And that's that that's because the work, the lifting he was doing was the wrong kind of lifting. Yeah. And, you know, but but still, it's just like, you know, you see these kids in high school and they're usually the biggest, strongest, fast guy on the field. And then you see him in Notre Dame and you're like, you know, he's just not quite as big as I'd hoped or not yeah. quite like Jaden Greathouse isn't as big as I thought he was going to be just because he looks so much bigger than the guys he was going against. Still excellent. It's just, you know, just not quite as big. But I also think he's lost a little bit of weight, too. That's part of it yes. as well. Yeah, but uh, you know, you just see some of these guys, and some of them are bigger. I mean, like Rico Flores was bigger, thicker than I thought he was going to be. Like, just really put together and a little and, taller too than I. Yeah, thought yeah, he too. is, and yeah. and so sometimes you get those pleasant surprises that, like, you know, this guy's actually even a little, maybe a little like uh, Adon Schuler was a little bit more fluid than I thought he was going to be. 
which is a positive because I like the Don. I had as a four-star player. But it's just one of those things, Nathan, where it's just the confirmation on it is really what I'm referring to. Is because you don't really know until you see how guys are when they get to Notre Dame. So it was nice. But what was abnormal is just the almost spot on nature that we had as far as evaluating the athleticism, right? Like, yeah, Jeremiah loves every bit as explosive as we thought. Braylon James is. Rico is. The only unknown that we have right now is Caleb Smith, just because we haven't seen seen him. him. Yeah. You know, but he, but he, you know, so that, that, but everything we've been told from the summer was this guy's going to be a hit once he gets right. Like he came to Notre Dame with the shoulder injury. They tried to work through it, just decided, nah, this isn't going to work. Let's just get it cleaned up quickly. But he did some things before that, that, that impressed people. That doesn't mean they're all going to be great football players, but at least athletically lengthwise, they all, they all hit. And that's why scouts in the NFL draft spectrum, that's why they always go to game visits and to practices because they want to see the guys in person right because i mean you could look at a kid on on film and just be like all right estimating right of like i think he looks like he has 34 inch arms for instance mm-hmm. right but then you see him in person you're like i think i may have overestimated or right. underestimated well, that arm an, an example ryan you and i when when you sent me was it a year ago mm-hmm. uh, two years ago you sent me that scouting stuff on Jared patterson and we were both yeah. like because you were like, dude, look at the le- the arm measurements they have down for Jared Patterson. Because we were Small. both caught off by that. Like, they were a lot shorter yeah. than we just thought looking at them than we thought that they were. Yeah. And, you know, those are those are different aspects to it. Like, you know, Josh Burnham's a guy that that you knew he's long, but you don't realize just how long he is until like, – then that was thing that I, that uh, that popped in my head because I'm re- remembering the conversation you and I had when, when we sat down at the Syracuse game. Because what I loved about the Syracuse press box is it was super low. Yep. So you're like, like really close to the field. And, you know, we both knew that Josh Burnham was long, but to sit there for you to see him, you're like, dude, he is really long. Like, it's not he like you thought out. he was some short armed kid. I mean, we always, we called him a pterodactyl and all that, but then you see it and you're like, dude, this guy is really long, tall, long, all that stuff. Yep. And that's really what it boils down to is, yep. and that's what we're referring to is it's because what you have to do in the scouting business, Ryan is you have to be willing to say, hey, this was my opinion based on what I saw, but I have to allow what I see now that he's at the next level to determine mm-hmm. my evaluation moving forward. Right. And so that's the reality of it, is you can't just hold on to, well, hey, I didn't think this guy was that good. So even though he's putting up numbers, I'm still going to tear him down and look for every negative because I don't want to you know, admit that I'm wrong. Or, hey, I thought this guy's going to be great. He's not great. I, I missed on this or I missed on that. I missed on this other thing. Yep. And you have to be willing to evaluate them. So when you get them on campus and you see like, nope, they check out. They are what we hope they would be. Uh, you start getting kind of fired up about that. And, and co- college departments and NFL departments could all save a lot of money too by not having people go to, to, to these schools and to these teams to kind of look at these players. But it the ability to see a person in person is such an important yeah. part of scouting and evaluating. So yeah. it's just a great question. Speaking of that, Ryan, I was talking yep. to Tim Priester about this the other day. Cause I asked him, you know, cause Tim's been following Notre Dame. He's been at practice. He's been around a lot longer than I have. You know, I started following the team here in town, 2010. I mean, I've said this before, Tim hates it when I say this, but you know, I've been reading about, I've been reading Tim Priester and loose emoji since I was a little kid you know, like in elementary school and he, he doesn't like it when I say that, but cause we, we were first talking about Lou, you know, just cause Lou's birthday recently passed and we always kind of reminisce a little bit about Lou, but uh, you know, then we kind of started talking and, and I, and I looked at him and a couple of NFL scouts walked by and I said, is it me 
or are there a lot more NFL scouts at this year's fall camp than we've had in the past? And he's like, yeah, yeah I've, 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 he goes, now that you mentioned that, like, I, 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 yeah, I think there has. Like, there's been a group of different teams at almost every practice we've been to. I rarely saw NFL scouts at Notre Dame fall camp practices in the past, rarely. Yeah. And we would see them, but just like every single practice, there's like a, a, a five, six, seven, eight guys at least uh, from NFL teams. I, I don't think that's a coincidence. It's kind of what you and I have said. There's a lot of very intriguing players. I, not necessarily guys that are like, ooh, this guy's high on my board, but just really intriguing guys that scouts want to get their eyes on. Like, hey, is this Robbie Mills kid really as big as as they say? Is you know, What's this, this estimate kid really look like? You know, What's Joe Alt really look like? What's Blake Fisher really? You know what I mean? Like, They want to see these guys up close and personal. And I mean, we've seen a lot of NFL teams here, Ryan, a lot of yeah. them, which I thought was, I thought was pretty interesting. No doubt. I think this team more than a lot in the past, at least in my recollection, kind of looked the part yeah. a lot more, you know, than maybe they typically would. Right. So that's why I'm more toolsy so guys, but maybe, yeah. maybe not guys that we definitely know for sure what they're going to be, yep. but a lot of, a lot of, a lot of tools, a lot Agreed. of really impressive tools. Want to go over something here real quick. Also, Ryan uh, from Rob Osgood, this, he says, will Friday's show be pregame show from now on? Will there be a mailbag show? So, uh, just for, so everybody that's watching that we our schedule is going to be a little different this year because we just don't want to get rid of the mailbag. And so what we're going to do is on Mondays, Ryan is going to have his recruiting hour and we're kind of still working on the format, but it's going to be a little different at times. It's going to be a lot like the midweek rundown, you know, where Ryan's going to hit on some different topics. We'll also have guests. We'll also have, you know, co-hosts at different times. Ryan and I'll do some of those shows together. But we're going to try to mix it up, keep it fresh and have some fun. So we'll still keep that Monday recruiting hour. Uh, all the start times are going to be one o'clock during the season. Uh, Tuesday, Ryan and I are going to kind of take our first deep dive into the opposite opposition. You know, talk about what we see, best players, you know, matchups, just some have some fun with that. Wednesday will be my midweek rundown. There will be an emphasis on the upcoming opponent. What are some storylines? What are some matchups that I like that maybe we didn't talk about the day before? Uh, you know, I'll take, pick different topics, you know, things that I want to see. Um, just different aspects of the, of whatever the the week news storylines might be. Probably pick a recruiting topic, maybe college football topic to talk about. So keep it kind of that midweek rundown type of deal, which is similar to the midweek um, uh, the midweek uh, sh- article that I used to do, the midweek musings. It's it's sort of a video version of that of what I used to do. Thursday we will do our prediction show on Thursday now. So we'll do just sort of a you know we'll kick the show off and Ryan and I'll give our keys to success, keys to victory for Notre Dame. Then we'll do our predictions for the show, and then Friday's going to stay the mailbag. That's going to be our format. And then, of course, we'll have the post-game shows on Saturday night after the games, and then Sunday night, Vince and I will still do upon further review. So that is going to be our schedule. So seven days a week, baby, starting on Monday, seven days a week, you're going to get Irish Breakdown. And then, of course, I'm going to have some – Ryan and I were talking last night. We're going to we're gonna be uh, – well, I'll be doing, and sometimes Ryan will also be doing some different things with uh, – CFB Nation predicting some of the bigger games of the weekends and some stuff like that. So we got a lot planned for y'all. So if you're someone says, well, you know, you know, I, I listen to all the different shows and we're we're gonna put out so much great content, you're not gonna have time to listen to anybody else. That's our plan. <laughs> That's our goal, right, Ryan? It's just overwhelming with greatness. <laughs> Other Notre Dame sites love hearing that. So, yeah, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And we know some of them listen too. So just be prepared, y'all. Be prepared. We had a, another super chat from Fatfish. Thank you so much, Fatfish. Appreciate it. 
Hey guys, are you ready for some football on what? My question is, do you think, or or what? I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Let me start it over. Hey guys, are you ready for some football or what? My question is, do you think Jeremiah Love is explosive enough to take over the kick return duties this year? It's possible. I mean, possible. a couple things are going to factor into it. Number one, Ryan, is is the guy that starts the season doing a good job. Yes. The fir- I don't know if this is who's going to be the primary kick returner, but in the pr- last practice we saw, they did first team and second team, and it was like full kick returns. So it was the first time all spring we've actually see- got to see them actually work on kick returns. And they had Jabron Payne as the up back, which he was at the end of last year, which made sense. Yes. And then it was Devin Ford. And actually, Aldrich Estime was one of the of the up backs, like the, the fullback yeah. guys, which he was last year as well. Sure. So you had actually three running backs on the field. And then the second group was Rico Flores as, as one as like the other returner, sort of that that lead blocker returner, right? And then you had it was Chris Tyree was the number two. Because Chris Tyree's the number one punt returner. Then when they went back to the first group again, it was actually Jadarian Price was there with Jabron Payne. Saw and that, then yeah. when they went with the twos, it was Jeremiah Love with Tyree. So Jeremiah's got some guys he's got to pass up a little bit there he's certainly capable of it I think the other part of it comes down to you know can he can he how's Devin Ford doing and then the second part is how much work is Jadarian Price getting at running back I think if they start really ramping Jadarian up I don't know that they're going to necessarily want to also have him back there returning kicks they may want him back there returning kicks early if he's not getting as many touches at running back just to find ways to get in the football there's a right. lot of options, man. But look, at this point in time, there's nothing I'm going to tell you Jeremiah Love can't do. Right? Will he do it? That's the only question. And it's not even just about him. It's it's like some people will say, well, you know, if he's really that good. Look, guys, I'm trying to tell you, they got some dudes at running back this year. They've yeah. got some absolute dudes at running back this year. So, uh, but I'm not counting Jeremiah Love away from anything. He's that athletic and explosive. And Look, with some guys down, he got a chance in the in the jersey scrimmage and was went off, you know. Oh, so it's yeah. like, I, I it and that's why I love running. Like if you're a running back, like hey, you know what, I I may want to sit practice out today. Mm, you may want to rethink that. Yes. <laughs> you know, you yes. may want to rethink that because you, you you can get Wally pipped real quick at the running back depth chart right now. The way that it is, Ryan. Well, I mean, we talked. I mean, we talked about this just from the recruiting side of things, Brian. I remember we were talking about like all these guys that could return kicks and punts. I mean, we talked about even like Micah Bell returning punts and like Braylon James could return kicks if you wanted him to. And and Jaden Greathouse could certainly be a punt returner if you needed him to do that. I mean, there's a lot. Rico Flores could return punts if you need him to as well. I mean, there's a lot of options. Uh, Folks, this is a little bit of a different Notre Dame team than you have seen in some years past. There's been some years past where you're like, do they have an impact returner that can go back there? Like there's been some of those years, especially a punt returner. I don't think those years are, are here anymore. I think it's all gone. So I'm excited whether it's Devin Ford or it ends up being Chris Tyree or Jeremiah Love or Jadarian Price. I mean, there's a lot of good options is the point there, right? Uh, eventually, Jeremiah Love will get his though. It's a guarantee. Mm-hmm. We'll guarantee yeah. that because that kid has a very unique skill set that he brings to the table which yeah. everyone should be very excited about. Very, very excited good. About. Very good. Andy Football Nerd with the Super Chat. Thank you so much. Thanks, IB. You're welcome. I'm yeah. not sure what you're thanking us for, but I appreciate you, sir. Yeah, just being here, man. He's ready for the season. I'm ready for the season, too. Uh, Rob Osgo with Super Sticker. 
Thank you, Rob. Appreciate that very, very much. So that's it for the Super Chats, Ryan. So let's get nice. back up top, man. Let's get rocking and rolling. I, lo- I love this first name we're, we're starting off with, too, man. So Some of y'all on your names, are, are uh, I love them. It's great. It's very creative. From Xavier Kilowatts, who says, if Pat Coogan ends up starting, does that mean he beat out Andrew Kristofik also? Or would Andrew Stavik only have been an option on the right side? It means he beat him out as well. But I think that has more to do with, I don't think Andrew Kristofik is physically right this spring. I mean, this fall camp. I just, he just, he hasn't been getting some reps at times. And and I just don't think he regressed to the point where all of a sudden he's not in the mix. I I don't know this for a fact. I, I have no, I, it just, he just, when he, when he moves around, he just doesn't look right. But yeah, I mean, look, Ryan, you're going to be – I mean, he started at left guard eight games in his career. He's an option at left guard if he's one of the two best guards. If Rocco beat him out but he's still the second best guard, they'd have moved him to left guard. I mean, that's sure. just the reality of it. Could still happen for all we know if he if he, if he he is healthy or gets healthy. I mean, I have no idea. But, yeah, he, he – they even said this. Like, look, every guy's an option at both positions if that's what needs be. And it guard is a – Look, there are some guys that struggle to switch hands, Ryan. It's not an it's not often, and it tends to more so be a tackle problem than yes. a than a than a, a guard. A problem. lot more attack, yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's just such a unique the way you line up, the way you get in your stance. It's yeah. very it, it can feel very different if you're switching yes. from right to left hand. But you, usually, guys can make that switch. And a veteran like Andrew Kostovic, I mean, he actually has played more in college at left guard than right guard. So right. if he was one of the two best he'd, he'd be playing well I, I would say this too brian is that i know it's not a positive for andrew but like if you're looking at the positive for notre dame is that if andrew gustavik's a backup offensive lineman for you that's great depth i mean it really is i mean we're talking about a kid to your point that has started eight football games in his career could play either guard spot and could even play offensive tackle in a pinch if there's an emergency that happens i mean literally he was an offensive tackle early on in his career so no one wants to talk about the depth all the time, right? And they don't want to talk about the guys that are swing players inside on the offensive line. But that's valuable. I mean, literally in 2021, you needed those guys a lot because people were dropping left and right on the offensive line. You need those swing players, guys that can come in and play. And if Andrew Kristofik is your swing player inside, you feel pretty good about that depth. I mean, I feel good about it. Yeah, agree. Agree. We had Andy Football Nerd who had a question. He said, is the big end position going to be a tell for the defense this year? It seems Nana Safamensa is the run defender, edge setter, and Javante Jean-Baptiste is the pass rusher. Do one of them have the ability to be effective at both? What I would tell you, Andy Football Nerd, is I think your observation is correct from a what their strengths are. Yeah. It's not how they're using them only. Like they're not only putting Javante Jean-Baptiste in to rush the passer in passing situations and vice versa. It just so happens that one guy's better at that than the other guy. I think Javante Jean-Baptiste, I mean, one of the best plays he had in a spring game was an, was an edge set. I mean, he, he he's done that. He wasn't just a pass rusher only to Ohio State. So he'll be able to do both. He just, in this defense, per, per, projects to give you a little bit more pass rushing ability than what you had at the position last year, if you can say healthy. Nana is who he is, right? He's he he can play all downs. He's just a guy that's not going to give you a, a great you know win on the edge consistently. So first and second down, that's okay. There's things that you can do. He's just not going to be a guy you're going to have there on third down. 
So I, I understand where you're coming from with the the tell aspect of it. Uh, but I just don't think it's it's they're not going to only play them in those situations. What it would be, right. Ryan, is if one guy is way better at that than the other, it means teams may look and say, hey, this guy's in the game. Let's run at him a little bit more. You know, right. hey, this guy's in the game. Let's And, and when this guy's in the game, we're going to make sure we set our protection away from him because we think our right tackle can handle him by himself, right? Something like that, right? So if Jordan Patel is giving you problems and it's first and 10, uh, or second and eight, or maybe you're in a you're in a passing situation, and their name's in their base defense with Nana and Jorpatejo, and and you don't think Nana's a good pass rusher, you may slide away from him just to give yourself a little help on the other side if you're getting your butt kicked by maybe Riley Mills and Jorpatejo a little bit, or, or or trade a tight end in the middle of the play so that yeah. you get that you know you make now Jorpatejo the strong side end instead right. of vice versa. You know what I mean? And then so, you could do yeah. the same thing to the strong side if Nana's really kicking your butt in the run game. You then say, hey, we, we, when he's in the game, we've got to get our tight end over to that side and help out with a double team. Maybe we can out leverage them, you know, maybe pin and pull, something like that. So it'll it'll impact what the D offense has to do as far as what a strength is, but it doesn't give away what Notre Dame is going to do when those guys are in the right. field. For, for, but that's a very astute observation, Ryan. I mean, I, I think it's a very fair thing to, to, to question. I, I think I, I would say that it's the niches that each one of those guys bring to the table. But I would say that I think Javante Jean-Baptiste can bring more of the all-around profile than yeah. like Nana would, for instance, yeah. right? Like I think I think that you coined it perfectly, any football fan. Nana is a tough, physical edge setter who's not going to give you a ton in the passing game. I just no. don't see that it, that's ever going to be a reality for him, unfortunately. Javante Jean-Baptiste, I can see him being a valuable pass rusher, but also giving you good work in the run game yeah. as well. So I think he presents a more all-around profile than what Nana does. And I think they complement each other well, Ryan, from the standpoint of you're going to play them both more, meaning you're not going to have one guy most likely dominate the reps unless there's a certain matchup where a team is heavy in the area where he's strong. So sure. you're, you're, I don't know that either one of them are full-time ends, meaning like 50 snap guys. 45, 50 snap guys. And so you don't necessarily need him to be that. Cause that'd be my only concern with Javante Jean Baptiste is if you're playing him 50 snaps a game, uh, he's still a pretty thin lower bodied guy, right? Like he's a pretty impressive upper body kid, but he's still a little thin on the, on the bottom half, narrow hips, you know, not, not, you don't necessarily want him having to set the edge as a big end 50 times a game, you know? Sure. I, so I think that compliment, it, it will help make both of them better and you can yep. use them in, in certain ways. No doubt. Our next question is from Florida Irish. It says, buy or sell. Matt Salerno will have a Pat Ellers-like moment this season and get a touchdown in one of the big three games. That wouldn't shock me at all. I mean, because like when you think about like what Pat Eilers did for that 88 team, you know, he was a complimentary player. He was a guy that, you know, played some receiver. He was a blocker. He'd get in in that little – you know, that, that T formation thing that they did um, in, in red zone. And I think he scored against Miami, right? I think Pat Eilers had one of the touchdowns against Miami in 88 uh, out of that out of that alignment. Yeah, I could see Matt Salerno doing that. I, I wouldn't shock me at all. Look, Matt Salerno is a quality football player. You just need him to be your fifth or sixth guy. That's that's the reality of it. You just – you can't have him be your your guy that gets a bunch of reps against Ohio State, you know, but but can he come in and – and in 10 to 12 snaps, make a clutch play. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. literally saw him do that last year, you know, yep. against Ohio state. I mean, he had a, a heck of a catch last year. You just can't have him be that guy that's playing, you know, 30, 40, 50 reps in a game. That's just, that's sure. just where you can't have it. Right. So, yeah, you know, like last year against Ohio state, he played eight reps. That's kind of the sweet it's spot. Perfect. That's yeah, yeah. It's fine. 
Yeah, played 15 against North Carolina. That's people that's forget good. sweet spot. What was the game where he had a great block? Was that South Carolina? It was the bowl a, game. It was on yeah, the Logan Diggs touchdown run and a, yeah, great, a great second level there, block out of a bunch. Yeah. So it was like yeah. near the line. He had a great block. Matt Salerno is a quality football player. You just here's the thing: you don't want to play in 25, 30 snaps a game, okay. and you don't want to miss your punt returner. I mean, it just—if you know—it just that's just the but reality. He, but he's de- but he's solid depth, right? If he's your number yeah. four at a times, awesome. Yeah. If he's your number five, absolutely yeah. awesome. Like, right, you're good. Man. If he's you're your good. six, you're freaking loaded oh. at wide receiver. Yes. You know, this year. I mean, so I, Matt, I think Matt gets a bad rap. It, it, you know, yes. he he does, he does. And I think that we cut some people took maybe their frustrations with the coaching and different things last year out on him in times when you know, why is he playing so much against Ohio State? Didn't even play ten snaps. Yeah. You know, so. And everybody just remembers the pass interference, but they forget the incredible catch he yeah. had in that game, too. Yeah. It's like that catch was phenomenal. <laughs> exactly. I think it set up one of their scores as I well. I think it set up their touchdown drive. So hey, he's, he's a quality player. We had the next question from Rob Osgood. It says, in the 2025 class, what position besides safety is the most important for Notre Dame's needs? I know tackle is high up there, but what are your thoughts? I kind of think D tackle, Ryan. I think they need to get, they need to to win inside. I think they need a couple pure inside guys. They've gotten guys that you and I believe can move inside. You know, Armel Mukum's already done it. You you know, you you could say maybe Bryce Young, if he keeps blowing up, maybe moving inside, being a Jason Onye type. Like that's how I could, I could see Bryce Young being the next Jason Onye type, the 240 pound kid that signs and ends up becoming 295, 300 when it's all said and done and doesn't, but doesn't look like it. You know, I mean, just I could see him being that type, but they just haven't signed a lot of pure inside guys. Just the whether it be the squatty guy, whether it be the Riley Mills type, even Riley Mills wasn't a pure inside guy. He was a defensive end in high school. I'm not saying that Notre Dame need if they're going to run an attacking aggressive defense. I'm okay recruiting big ends that you grow an interior guys like Onye, like Mills, but you still need to recruit some Davion Dixons. You know, like I'm not super high on Sean Sevillano, but I do love the fact that he's given them some beef. So at the very least, at some point in his career, he can be a short yardage, goal line, beefy space eater because he's a strong kid who competes. Like I'll give him that. I just question, you know, the athleticism a little bit and and the, and the playmaking a little bit. But there's a need for that. So if you go out next year and you get Davion Dixon and you get a Jarquez Carter or you get a Juju Marks or somebody like that to go with him, that's what I want to see. I think there's a need for that in this class because when the 25 class shows up ryan i'm you know so there's a chance there's a good chance gabriel rubio is not gonna be on the roster think about that it's possible yeah like i mean he may come back for a fifth year but it's not a promise mills is going to be off the roster cross is going to be off the roster kiana on is going to be off the roster maybe rubio might be off the roster maybe Onye might be off i mean so think about that that's how far that is so they really need some inside guys, in my opinion. That's as far as just the from a need numbers need standpoint, body type, style of play need. That to me is really high on my list. And I don't think safety is an is a I think getting three in this class plus two last year and Luke Talich last year. I don't think numbers are the need at safety as much in 25, Ryan, as impact talent. Sure. I'm not saying don't take three. I, I'd still take three, 
but I think it's more about the quality of the talent now. I think I think what they've done in 22 or 23 in the 24 classes, Ryan, and I'm, I want to get your opinion on this. If you don't agree with me, I'd love to hear you explain it. I don't think that they they have fixed their numbers problem at safety in 23 and 24. They signed basically six kids because Luke Talich is a scholarship talent football player. He is. Right? Yep. But I think yep. with, with getting a Don and Minnick and him last year, getting this year Bronte Johnson, which was huge, Kennedy Erlacher, who Rivals just gave a fourth star to, by the way, yep. and yep. getting Tabron Benny Powell, you've hit your numbers need. You're good there numbers-wise. That's six kids in two years. Right. It's now about impact talent. Now, I would still take three if it's the right three, no question. Yeah, because I think a couple of those guys could grow into second level guys, you know, Rovers or Wills or things like that, maybe down the road. But it's more about you're now in a position, and kudos to the defensive staff for getting here. But you're now in a position where now you at safety you can focus on the upside, not the numbers. Right. And I think that's a good place to be. I agree. Yeah, because I, I think that you've built the foundation of the safety group. But now building off the foundation is where the stars rise up. You know, like I think that for me, Bronte Johnson could be a star, I think, if he's developed properly. Right. But now 2025 is about those Jadon Blairs of the world. Right. The Ivan Taylors of the world, the super athletic, talented, the Jordan Youngs of the world. You need to get a couple of those guys. Right. Because you need a couple of guys that now are just more than foundations. They right. are a part of problem solving, right? Yeah. And, and that's kind of where I, where I look at that right. class. I would say, to Rob's question too, I would say off, true offensive tackles I think is still the need, not even so much from a numbers perspective because obviously they still have Sullivan Abster there that that came in. And I know he's a guy that we projected more inside a guard, but as of right now, yeah. he's a tackle. And he looks more like he can play. I'm not saying he's going to stick out there, but he looks like he's got a better chance of sticking out there at right tackle than I would have originally planned. Yep. Yeah. And then we have to obviously look what happens with the 2024 class when they get there. Cause obviously styles Prescott is a true offensive tackle. If they get Gerby Lambert, then he's a pure offensive tackle, but can Peter is Peter Jones or, Anthony Knapp, an offensive tackle for Notre Dame. I mean, I know that both of those guys have had at least a conversation about that from the staff. So what does that depth ultimately look like? I still would like a, true, a couple of true offensive tackles in the 2025 class because I still think that you're, I don't want to say playing with fire, but you're still taking a gamble on a couple of those kids projecting it offensive tackles. I'm just not sold on it. The other spot I would say is quarterback is a spot that is a need, right? I mean, it's a sure. it's a big need. I mean, it's it, you always want yeah. a quarterback in every class, but after Sam Hartman leaves, you're going to be down to three scholarship quarterbacks in 2024 coming out of that season. And as Notre Dame accumulates talent back-to-back-to-back classes, right, that's the more the possibility of, like, does someone transfer at some points, right? I mean, and then you're talking about potentially being down to two quarterbacks at some spots. So, Getting a guy like a Deuce Knight or a Bear Bachmeyer or continue to restock the talent at quarterback is very important every single year. I talked about that a little bit on Wednesday in the midweek rundown, Ryan, is, is when I yeah. talked about the five Bellwether recruits, Deuce Knight was one of them because it's not just about getting a number also. It's also about getting a guy that can be an impact talent. Because yes. you and I think very highly of Kenny Minchie and C.J. Carr, but we've seen those two kids throw a grand total of zero college passes. And Stephen so you, Kelly as well. Yeah, so, yeah. And we, yeah, that's a good point. So you need to stack them up. That's the big key. Stack them up, stack them up, stack them up. Uh, I just felt like I was beginning my racket, uh, starting into a Warren G song there real quick. Uh, well, 
especially Brian too, because I mean, let, let's say in theory we go into 2024 or preseason of 2024, and let's say Kenny Minchie beats out the Benjeli altogether, right? And and that's for a either a backup role or a starting job, right? Then you're starting to get in the conversation of Steve's older than those two kids that are also on the roster. Is there a transfer designation that's going to happen at some point? Like, does he mm-hmm. make that move? Because I honestly, I wouldn't 100% blame him if he, especially because Steve was an early enrollee, right? So he might have a degree no. at that point, possibly. Right. I mean, you never know. So we'll have to right. see how that stuff works out, obviously. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, and, and of course, you, you know, what I like about where Notre Dame is for 25, Ryan. And I was having a conversation about this recently with somebody. They're in a position where they're they're 25 class is the first class I've seen Notre Dame be at in a, as long as it can hang on to 24, not have a mass exodus from the portal. I mean, which you know, you never know. I don't think it's going to happen. But 25 should end up being the first time in a long time that Notre Dame can only focus on talent across the board. There's nowhere where like numbers is like a huge need anymore. Right. You just got to salvage the depth chart with numbers. There's nowhere that that's an issue anymore. Barring again, a, a good problem happening of potentially a bunch of guys leave early because they're better than you maybe you thought, or they're leaving after their junior years to go pro and you're supporting that barring things like that, or, or the negative of transfers or a bunch of injuries. There's always things that could happen, but as of right now, you're going to the 2025 cycle saying, the big, big numbers is not necessarily what we're shooting for. We'll load up on big time players if we need to. Right. But it's not a, sure. the needs isn't the focus. It's go get dudes, go get high ceiling dudes. And that's the focus for Notre Dame, which I think is a good I place mean, to be. It, it's like wide receiver, right? I mean, you could be super picky with wide receiver in 2025, because you've just yeah. spent the last two cycles getting really good numbers. Yeah. And when and I say really good numbers, I mean yeah. numbers from good football players like really good numbers you meant that dual dual wise yes Yes. i agree with you yes i agree with not not just the quality but the quantity of those numbers absolutely agree When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're stressed about buying tickets or doing some last-minute ticket hunting to college football games, concerts, comedy shows, your favorite activities, Game Time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. 
Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's GameTime.co. Xavier Kilowatt says, what position group do you see could best survive a season-ending injury to a starter? For which position would it be most detrimental? We're, there's a couple that I think Notre Dame could survive that and be pretty good still. Running back's the first one that pops up, Ryan. You and I were talking about that at the beginning of the show. They are absolutely loaded. And the good thing is, uh, I think season-ending injuries that you can survive are positions where, A, you're deep with talented players, yeah. but B a position where maybe you don't need an experienced guy to step in and thrive. Like, sure. you know, you say, well, you know, if Joe Walt goes down, that's devastating. You're losing all American. And that's very true, but you're also in a position where that's a position where you don't have great depth, but you yeah. also don't have, you know, guys with a ton of experience. You know, Tosh Baker made a couple starts. That's really it. Whereas if Audric Estime goes down and I don't want this to happen, but I don't care that Jadarian Price has never carried the ball, that Jabron Payne's only carried it twice, that Jeremiah loves that, – that, at that position, it just doesn't matter as much to me. I mean, some of the best seasons we've seen at Notre Dame in the last decade were from young players that didn't touch the ball very much, right? I mean, think of Josh Adams' freshman year back in 2015. Think of C.J. Procise moving to running back in 2015, and he had never played running back before in his life. And he moves there and rushes for 1,000 yards. We think of Torian Folsom and the success he had. I think Lou Samoji told me Torian Folsom was like fourth all-time at Notre Dame for rushing yards after two years, after his freshman and sophomore seasons in Notre Dame history. Yeah. Very underappreciated player. Had he not tore his knee up, I still wish I could we could have seen a healthy Torian Folsom in 2015. Oh, man, he was really good. Him sure and Josh good. Adams and C.J. Procise would have been a nasty group at running Tor- back. Torian, his freshman year against Navy, was making dudes look stupid oh, in yeah. space, man. He, like, was, he just wasn't fast, and that's what some people yeah. harp on. But – you know, we've seen a lot of young players. We saw Kyron Williams step in in 2020 with, what, four career carries and mop-up yep. duty the year before, took a red shirt, comes out as a thousand-yard rusher for a, for a playoff team, right? And so we, we've seen this before. Audric last year, seven carries for 60 yards, had all but one carry in one game late in November and a blowout win over, I think it was Georgia Tech or Navy, right? And so then you come out and boom, he goes for almost a 1,000. And and we said this the other day, Audric and Logan had 290 career rushing yards between them in coming into last year, and then they rushed for over 1,700 by themselves. And yeah. that was with them also splitting carries of Chris Tyree, who had 100 carries on the season, right? So if Chris Tyree would have moved to receiver a year earlier, which looking back probably would have been a good idea, you know, Logan, Audric, although I don't know you had the depth at running back last year to pull that off. You know, which sure. when Jadarian went hurt, was hurt, and Jabron was coming off of an injury and all that. But like, just hype for argument's sake, those guys might have both been over a thousand yards. I mean, you just split Chris Tyree's hundred carries and four hundred forty-four yards between those two. And you're talking about a couple thousand yard back. So I just don't care about experience as much of that position. So that's why running back is at the top for me. I, I'd say defensively, Ryan, the position where they could maybe suffer an injury and and still be pretty good at the number one position I have on defense is corner. Corner, when you yeah, look at Jaden Mickey and and yeah. Christian Gray, plus you know Chance Tucker's now back and healthy, uh, and, and in a pinch, 
you could put Antonio Carter over there if you needed to and play more zone if you got to a pinch, right? And you you couldn't play the defense you're playing now, but if, God forbid, and you had just devastating injury after devastating injury, you could do that. I mean, the kid played against Pitt last year and looked pretty good. Did well. Yeah, he did well. You know, yeah. uh, it was just in a different coverage structure than what they're what they're doing, what they do this year. So those are the two, one one on each, where I just feel like they're in best position to 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 uh, survive it. I'll we'll answer the second part after Ryan, but I want to hear your first thoughts on the first part of that question. A uh, corner was my number one that actually came to my mind first, even before an offensive position, because. Although losing a Benjamin Morrison or Cam Hart would be devastating in a vacuum, you look at it and say, well, Christian Gray is going to be pretty good, man. <laughs> like Jaden Mickey has had a really strong offseason after playing a lot as a true freshman. So I think that you'd be able to survive that very well. I really do. I, that's that's my number one, honestly. Like I think that corner is the one that I look at. And I would also say wide receiver is another that I think that you could survive, right? Like I really do think you can. I mean, if a – let's say a Jane Thomas gets hurt or something like that. And that just means more reps for Jane Greathouse or a Deion Colsey or a Rico Flores. I think you could survive that. God forbid. So I think wide receiver is another one that you can kind of succumb that injury a little bit. Also, Ryan, I think to add to your point, you're also, you have running backs that you can kind of use more 20, 20 personnel, 21 personnel. You know, you could, you could be a team that says, hey, we're going to run the ball a little bit more to protect it, to take away from it. So, yeah, those are other aspects that also factor into why you'd be able to do that. Yeah. But that's why it was so important to bring in the kids they brought in last year in the freshman class because you brought in a couple kids that can help you out right now. Exactly. And if you got into a pinch, you could say, hey, Braylon, go run a go route. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I forgot Braylon. But you, you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's way behind, but he's made some really good catches in the last couple practices we've seen. Like, it's starting to – He's starting to figure it out, Ryan. Braylon's starting mm-hmm. to figure it out. He beat Cam Hart for a touchdown in a one-on-one in the last practice we saw. And, and, and he's mean, competitive too. Like if yeah. you need him to block, like he'll go yes. the block. You know what I mean? Yes. So, yeah. so you yeah, get into a pinch fine. and you got to teach him four routes, man. You need to run a go, you need to run a post, you need an over and a hitch. And then your screen stuff. That's it, man. That's it. Yep. That's all I need you to do, buddy. And I yep. can get out of a game with him playing 12 snaps, knowing those four routes as my – next guy off the bench if i'm got down some guys yeah it's uh, most devastating for me i we already talked about one le- tackle left tackle especially yes in quarterback right now now it was funny one of the things we discussed last night a, a guy at the the function i spoke at ryan said you know man if sam hartman goes down their name is totally screwed and my response was like guys they won nine games last year with tyler buckner and drew pine at quarterback right i mean it's, i said excuse me uh drew pine at quarterback if they get into a situation, and this is a much more talented team around the quarterback. Now, are they a playoff team if Sam Hartman goes down in September? Probably. I don't think so. Yeah. Are they a team that can still win nine or ten games with one of those guys? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think the defense is going to be better. I think the skill talent around the quarterback is going to be better. Uh, the home schedule sets up a little bit better than it did last year. And hopefully, you've got an offensive line that can be pretty good. So it's not season ending, but it's detriment. It'd be the most detrimental to Notre Dame's chant uh, desire or hope to compete for a championship. I think that goes up in smoke if Sam Hartman gets hurt, especially if he gets hurt for an extended period of time. I don't, I don't think it means the season's doomed. Yeah. I just means we're probably looking at a guaranteed nine and three, ten and two, as opposed to a potential out of the playoff. I think a couple other interesting ones on offense as far as doom or gloom, right, would be 
I think one is, and this is just from a numbers perspective, if a tight end goes down, you're like, dang, man, like we just don't have much depth left anymore, you know, especially at the beginning of the season. I mean, if a Mitchell Evans or Holden Stace, God forbid, go down, it's like we got one tight end, Davis Sherwood, and we're praying that Eli Raritan gets back sometime in the near future, right? I mean, you're just down depth-wise. I think the other one is one that we just had a little bit of an injury scare with, Brian, is at center. I mean, if Zeke goes mm-hmm. down, you're just kind of like – I like Ashton Craig. I think he's going to be a good player at Notre Dame eventually, but it's like redshirt freshman getting thrust into a starting job as a center. Like that's tough. It's very tough. I wonder in that scenario, Ryan, if Zeke was out for a game, you just plug the next guy in there and get out of that game. If Zeke were to go down for a period of time, I wonder if they would consider moving Coogan back into center where he's played in the past and then putting Shrout in the starting lineup. It's probably what I think I that would make the most sense, but but still, we don't know yeah. what Pat Coogan can be either, right? I'm not. I'm just. Yeah. At least he gives you a junior as opposed to a sophomore, and a little bit more beef uh, I, inside. I also, I also don't love guys that aren't incredible, like aren't good, really good athletes playing yeah. the center position because you know working up the second level is such I get a that. instrumental I get part that. of that position. You know, I but mean, I don't know. if I had to, if it came down to it, Ryan, and, and I yeah. don't disagree with you. At center is one of the few positions where I'm always going to go with experience and knowing that you're a guy that could do his job, snap after snap after snap. Hey, I can work around. Hey, there's just some run calls I can't do. I I can't run outside zone against this look and expect that kid. So we got to do something else. We got to crack. We've got to maybe do something else. We got to change our blocking scheme up to say, hey, we're just going to, you know, maybe you go to some more pin and pull type of stuff if you're getting that kind of look to you know run some more maybe some toss or some buck sweet as opposed to outside zone if you have to uh, because what you can't have is a center that's good on one play and then the next muffs a snap doesn't know what he's doing that's the only thing now if ashton's ready to do that great get him in there because ashton's a really talented kid he's going to be a really good football player in Notre Dame someday he he looks good yeah like physically he looks good yeah so yeah he just it's just more he still has he's still a work in progress snapping he's still a work in progress you know, leadership yeah. wise, because center is one of the positions that probably takes the longest. I would say quarterback and center are the two positions that can take the longest for a guy that's not naturally there or maybe not a natural leader to grow, grow into that position unless sure. you have to. But we've seen some guys thrust into that role as redshirt freshmen and they handled it pretty well. Jared Patterson did. Patterson, it. Yeah. So for all we know, Ashton will step up and get the job done if he needed if he's needed to. I just it'd make me a little bit nervous. Honestly, if if this is going to sound crazy, but if he had to start, I would honestly just go, I would put Billy Shrouth in there too and say, hey, look, we're going to have some mistakes up front, but I'm going to put these two athletes in there that can move people and we're just going to get after it. I mean, that's I just, you. you know, that's what I would, hey, that's what I would do. Blake, Blake Fisher's played center in, in uh, his high school career, so you always do that too. Yep, there you go. I don't think that's going to happen. That joke. sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, here we go. Uh, we got, so let's get down here to uh, Irish-Blooded. First play, it says all sorry, all replace are starting quarterback. Who has the best end of year quarterback numbers? Ohio State, Clemson, Bama, or Georgia? Numbers? If, Ohio if, State. If they're all good, if let's just assume that the starting quarterback plays the whole year. Yep. Probably Ohio State. Yeah, I'd go Ohio State system. one, Bama two, or excuse me, um, Georgia two, because I like Carson Beck, and he's got one of the best pass catchers in college football on his team. I'd go Clemson three and Bama four. Yeah. So I think Bama is going to be a much more run oriented football team this year. I do. I'm struggling. I'm struggling a little bit between my number two, because I agree Ohio state's number one Clemson or Georgia. I think Georgia is going to be an, a, 
I think it's going to be a more seamless transition getting Beck mm-hmm. in there, and I think it's going to be efficient. But I could see Kubnik putting up some really nice numbers in Garrett Riley's system. So, like, I'm, you know, yeah. just – I think volume versus efficiency might be the conversation yeah. there, right? Like, it, I could see Kubnik throwing for more yards, maybe even more touchdowns, but Beck has a higher completion percentage, yards per attempt, like just kind of the efficient – things i think he could do a little bit better but i agree i think alabama's last on that list for me and that's passing part, perspective a part of this too ryan is is a bit of an unknown about what garrett riley's going to be as yeah. a play caller because we we really don't know for sure be, at the end of the day we let's not forget sonny dykes had a lot to do with that offense last year and it was run the way he wanted it run now garrett riley was the co- coordinator but you're running it the way sonny dykes ran it is he is Garrett going to be a guy that wants to run it more or throw it more than he did there? I mean, their starting quarterback last year threw for 3,700 yards in 15 games. Yep. That's not a ton when you think about 15 games. I mean, Georgia had over 4,100 last year in, in 15 yeah. games with a more experienced quarterback, obviously. They threw for about their two starters, threw for about 36 the year before. Uh, and, and so it, I would say Georgia, I also kind of anticipate Georgia playing potentially more games as well. Yeah. I, I think I think the Rileys, I think one big misnomer is this goes for Lincoln and Garrett is that I think they both do really want to run the football. I don't think Link, Lincoln for sure game guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? so. Yeah. Now here's my only question about Lincoln though, Ryan. And and, and this is a, this year is going to be very interesting. And when I say question, it is truly a question. It's not a doubt. It's truly a question. Like with with Ryan Day, I know that this is who Ryan Day is. I just Ryan Day is a guy that that doesn't run the doesn't run doesn't want to run the football the way that he says he wants to run the football. We've seen it. I mean, the, the dramatic drop off from what we saw, uh, the further he gets away from from Stoops. Uh, Bob Stoops, right? With yeah. Lincoln, or it's not Stoops, uh, Urban Meyer. I, I do kind of wonder a little bit about Lincoln Riley. And this year is going to tell us a lot because last year they had a very veteran offensive line, but it wasn't a really a line that moved people, right? It was just more of a do your job kind of line, in my opinion. And, and I thought their run game was good last year, but it wasn't, it was more of a complimentary run game than it was at Oklahoma where it was like, I mean, they were going for 200 some yards a game you had pretty good backs. I thought last year, you had Travis die you had Austin Jones, Caleb Williams could obviously run. And they only averaged 161 yards a game, 100, excuse me, 171 yards a game last year. And when you look at him in Oklahoma, it was it was kind of a similar pattern, to be honest with you. His first year there uh, as the head coach, they were at 217.8. The next year, they were 247.4. That was with a 1,000-yard rusher quarterback. The next year, they were at 240. That was with a 1,000-yard rusher quarterback. But in 20, they dropped down to 179. And then in one twenty in night twenty one they they were up to one eighty six. Now again, that's still good numbers, but it's quite a drop off from the two forties that they were doing. You know when he was when he was still kind of in the Bob Stoops. I mean they were two thirty six point eight in his last year as just the OC. So I think this year is going to be a little bit telling because they should be able to run the ball well this year. They got good backs. That their line's not as experienced, but I think it's going to be a little bit more. It should be a little bit maybe a little bit more physical this year. Then last year, just just because you have some guys that are just a little stronger, I think, even though they're new, I think this year is going to be pretty telling to see just how serious Lincoln Riley really is about having a run game that you can build around like he did at Oklahoma early in his tenure, as opposed to just having a run game that's a complement to your pass game. I, I, I'm curious about that this year. 
Whereas I know I'm, I know Ryan Day's that way. I just that's just who he is. Um, now we'll see if that changes now that he gives up play calling, but I'm, I'm curious about well, that. I, I don't, don't I don't think that's a foregone conclusion that he's giving yeah. up play calling. That's why I said if, if, right, if. That's the weirdest I, thing ever. I mean, we're a couple weeks away from football, and he still doesn't know who's going to call plays. In the now, it could, it could just strange. be gamesmanship in the media. I mean, you know, who knows? But knowing Ryan yeah. Day, I just, yeah. Everyone, yeah. everyone keeps saying that, but, like, I just don't. I don't know. Ryan Day just doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. I just think that's kind of as what kind of guy. As like a gamesmanship guy of like yeah. he knows, but he doesn't want to say it. Like I tend I, to agree with I you. Know. I think knowing I Ryan know. Day the way that I do, I think it's more about him just not wanting to give it up. Now that now yeah. that we're here, him not. It, it's fine and dandy to say this back in February that you're going to give up play calling to keep a coach <laughs> and all that. But then you start getting in the season and every little mistake that's made, you start nitpicking and you know and yeah. I, he just uh, needs to, man, he needs to stop being such a control freak. He's yep. worry more about his c- color hair that he's dying on his face. And you know what I mean? And just move it on, brother. Move it on. <laughs> oh, my. Andy football nerd. All the interior of the offensive line between the center and guards. Which position is it more important to be more athletic? Does the interior of the offensive line athleticism limits what Notre Dame can run? Talk well, about it a little bit already. Ryan, it also depends on the system you're running, sure. right? Like if you're a pin and pull team, it depends on, okay, are you a pin and pull team that likes to use your center to pin and pull? I know some pin and pull teams, they'll only pin and pull their guards and tackles. Some will pull, pin yeah. and pull their center. Yeah. It just depends on on what you run. If you're a, if you're a really a, a, in a duo inside zone dominant team, I think it's more important to have your center be a mover than necessarily an athletic guy and your guards need to maybe be a little bit more athletic because you, you usually in those situations your guards are going to be getting up to the next level getting a little off. bit more than your yeah. centers right and it's more sure. vertically oriented but if you're going to be you know running stuff that you know you're going to be running stretch and you're going to be running you need your guards to be to be um you know movers against the three techniques and the one techniques and your center's got to be coming over working up to the second level he's going to be getting up with with second level cuts and second level blocks more often so i think if you're going to be a team that's working more for the fast swipe versus slow swipe right slow swipe being more vertical downhill fast swipe being more stretch outside zone some buck sweeps then you're going to need your center to be a guy that can move and get to the second level and so it depends on what they do with what notre dame does I do. I think the way that we, at least the way that they were last year, I can't tell you what they're going to be this year, but the way they were last year, I think it was more important that the guards get up to the second level more. We didn't see Zeke Carell working to the second level a ton. He was more staying on that block, and they were trying to work the guards up to the second level last year. This year, I, I, I don't know. But ideally, you want all your guys to be able to move and get to the second level. That's the ideal situation. But if I had to, yeah. if I had to err on the side of it, I would rather have guards that are butt kickers in a center that can move as opposed to athletic guards in a big butt kicking center based on what I think the Notre Dame run game is going to be this year. That would be my two yeah. cents. I agree. Because... I, it's really funny how the game evolves also based upon who you play on a year-to-year basis. Like Notre Dame this year is going to be playing against a lot of four-man front, right? But there's some some teams that we're seeing more and more three-man fronts in college football. And in the three-man fronts, I would actually say like a center, I kind of want to be have a little bit more steps, yeah. right? A guy that can move a little bit at the point of attack because he's going to be covered a lot more than what your typical center might be. But fortunately, Notre Dame still plays the Clemsons, the Ohio States that do still run a lot of four man because they still appreciate the the 
athleticism that you can get on the interior of a defensive line, right? So I think for what Notre Dame plays against, I think I still want athleticism at center, but I really think that the this the game's changing a little bit, man. It's changed yeah. a little. Like, I'll, I'll say it like this, Brian. I know we talked about like Pat Coogan at center in some instances, right? Pat Coogan at against USC, I would be a lot more okay with at center because he's going to be playing against a guy that's head up all the time. Against Ohio State or Clemson, I don't know about that. I don't know if I would love that too much. You know what I mean? So it's also against the formatting of who you're playing against a lot. Especially Ohio State because they're going to do so much just cross his face and bring a linebacker over. They're going to do the stunts and slants where at least last year, uh, Clemson was a little bit more basic you know last year i don't know if that's gonna be so weird because venables was the complete opposite man like he wanted guys moving all over the place but yeah good good so you guys are on fire so far with questions man you guys are doing really well today we appreciate these great questions this is going to be i want to actually i want to ask this one right because i want you to answer it first so so he gave three notre name players i want you to give three on both sides of the ball right so and then and so give me your and then we can say like who is at the top so who okay. is on IB's freak list? Is your top three the same as Bruce Feldman? So first of all, Ryan, can you just explain to people? Because I think some people think this means best players and stuff like that. Can you just kind okay. of briefly explain what that means? Yeah. And then let's give our freaks list. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's working off of athletic testing numbers, the Bruce Feldman's freak list. Like So like you're going to see guys, the things that are going to be mentioned in there are mostly GPS miles per hour that they run, what their 40 time is, what their broad is, vertical, like those different types of athletic testing. But also they'll talk about the weight room stuff, you know, how much a guy benches, how much a guy squats, but then they'll also throw in like random stuff like Notre Dame, you know, with the with the pull-ups, for instance, and then some of the athletic background of certain players as far as playing multiple sports. So it's really all about athletes. Like there's a, there's a few guys on that list that, or even starters for their team, but it's like they, the last player on the Feldman's freak list this year was a backup nose guard for Navy because of the, because of the weight room numbers that he threw around. Right. So it's not about the best football players. I mean, Nicholas Harbor was number one this year. Nicholas Harbor hasn't played a snap on the college level yet, but ran 10 to a 220 plus pounds at six foot five. So that's the reason that he's on, the freaks list has the number one. So I initially thought any football nerd that this question was asking who on the IB staff would be on the felt on the freaks list. Like who would be on your top, but well, I mean, I we really we, only, you know, if you're going to say three, I mean, we really yeah. only have three full-time employees. So it's me, Vin, you and Vince will be number one. Well, Vince, Vince isn't a full-time one. employee. So it'd be me, uh, it'd be me, you and Styers basically. Right. Oh. So. Well, I don't yeah. think it'd be stars. I don't think it would be stars. Well, there's only three. So. <laughs> so that was my so, point. If there's only the three, <laughs> he's got to be in the top three. <laughs> top three on the football team, offense and defense. Offensively, I would say for me, Joe Alt would be one that I would consider heavily because I think that Joe Alt, I mean, from a size athleticism perspective, like I'm sure miles per hour is pretty good on him running. Like he's a former high school tight end, right? So I'm sure the miles per hour – on the GPS is pretty nice. I'm sure that the, I'm sure that he does some good broad jump work. Like I, he's a pretty explosive kid, right? So he'd be number one for me. Number two, it's interesting offensive. I think there's a lot more answers on the defensive side of the football than offense for me. Cause there's just a lot more like natural football players. I think on offense, like Jaden Greathouse, I don't think is ever going to be on a freaks list for instance, right? 
Chris Tyree would be one because he's literally been on a freaks list and he runs four three something. Yeah. So like, yeah, and he's also and got he's also got and he's up. also got the thing we remember two years ago when they had him down for some really good jumping numbers too. It wasn't yeah. just fast; it was he was like a thing was like a thirty eight inch vertical or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. Really good broad, so it was that as well. Yep. So Chris Tyree, I'll go Joe Walt, and then. In the future, I think Charles Jagasol will probably be on there, but I'm not going to include him just because we don't 100% know what the numbers are there. Uh, third one I'll say is Braylon James. Yeah. Because we've heard of some really crazy testing numbers for Braylon James. At Notre Dame. This isn't yeah. stuff that we're reporting in high school. We're talking about what he did at Notre Dame. Like, what was it, like 4-4, four, four, like a 40-inch vert? Like yeah, a crazy broad. High 30s, 40 inch in the vert. Yeah, I think yeah. it was. It wasn't like an eleven over an eleven foot broad or something crazy like that. It was like over it ten was, for sure. I don't know if it quite yeah, got to eleven. But it was like, crazy. Maybe. It was yeah. crazy. So offensively, that would be mine. Uh, defensively, it's a lot of people you could choose from defensively. Honestly, yeah. like there's a lot. Riley Mills made the list, so like okay, cool. Cam Hart made the list, so yeah. okay, cool. I wouldn't have Javante Jean Baptiste, even though he had some pretty good numbers on there. But yeah, I would probably have. Kind of hard Micah not to have Bell, Micah I guess, Bell on there for like because the Michael Bell's going to have jumping numbers too. Yeah, yeah. I'll go Michael Bell's third on defense. I mean, you're talking about five and a half, five and a half foot, five nine and a half foot kid that yep. jumped over twenty four feet in the triple jump. It's really good. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Ryan, most long jumpers are or triple jumpers are longer guys, Cam Williams types, right? Cam Williams esque. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he he would be my offensively. I'm I'm going. I'm actually not going to have Joe Alt on there. I understand where you're coming yeah. from. It's just there's just too many stupid athletes on that offense. So I'm I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go Chris Tyree. I'm going to go Braylon James. And I'm going to go some some combination. Some pick one between Jadarian Price if he's healthy or Jeremiah Love. I, I think those guys are just going to have really crazy athleticism numbers. Jer- Jeremiah Love is a good one because he was a 10 yeah. 500 meter kid. Yeah. That's a good yeah. one. And he's going to well, have well, did, did Price too. have, does he have great testing numbers too? Jadarian Price? Well, he, not in high school. I don't okay. believe, I don't know that he was a track guy in high school. I can look gotcha. it up, but it just is more about like how explosive he has been uh, before the injury. So he was, okay. he was some of the things that we had heard about him that first spring from a testing standpoint were wow. Okay. Gotcha. That guy's gotcha. That guy's really good. I'm looking up his track numbers now. I don't. I don't know that he, his. Um, there's no 400 meter time or 100 meter time. There's no 200 meter time. His best 400 was like 54.5. He was more of a relay guy, it looks like, and he didn't run gotcha. track as a senior. Um, so in his long, his best long jump was 29, 20 inches, 20 feet nine inches, and he did that as a sophomore. So yeah, he didn't, he didn't run track. Yeah. He didn't yeah. run track for, um, um, he did he was more, yeah, no, I don't see any hundreds. It's just re- a bunch of relay stuff is all gotcha. I see from him. So he probably did just more to stay in shape than actually. Compete, yeah. It sounds like. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And see if it, well, you know, what's crazy here. is uh, when this 2024 class gets here, man, you're going to have at least three kids that were 24 plus foot long jumpers, yeah. which is a, well, it, it, it's just, it's Ryan, it's not a coincidence. Like, and you know, this I, I'm, I'm, uh, it's not a coincidence. They're not, they're doing these things on purpose. Yep. They take these things into consideration when they're doing evaluations. They want length. They want explosiveness. They want, because the whole thing is like, if you believe in your coaching staff from a coaching standpoint, and this is how it should always be at Notre Dame, your assistant coaches should be guys that you believe are developers. Yep. 
because then go get that twitchy kid that maybe doesn't know how to play football at a high level yet because you can teach that. And then you mix those guys in. Like what they did at receiver this past year, even before they got K.K. Smith, was so perfect in my opinion. You got two guys that don't necessarily have elite, elite floors or ceilings, but have big-time floors in Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores. Then you got another kid in Braylon James who maybe doesn't have that really high floor but has a first-round NFL draft pick ceiling athletically. And you mix those guys together, and yep. you know, so you know you're going to get a certain level from Greathouse and Flores. But the key is if Braylon hits – that receiving core is going to be insane in yeah. a few years. And it's kind of like that in the 24 class when they had Isaiah Canyon is you had, you know, a really high floor guy in Micah Gilbert. Cam Williams became a high floor, high ceiling guy, even though yeah. he wasn't when they first got him. And then Canyon was more of the low floor, crazy high ceiling guy. Yeah. And that's kind of what they're looking for. You need that blend, in my opinion. It's the same thing offensive line. Absher and Jagasaw, low floor, lower floors. So Although I think Jagasaw's floor is pretty high just because of how talented he is. But he's still a toolsy guy. Absher's that. But then you look at Sam Pendleton, and he's one of the most high floor players not even signed in several years on the offensive yeah. line, right? So you've yeah. got to have that mix. And they do a pretty good job of that. Defensively, my freaks, obviously Riley Mills it would, would be on there. I would have I would have Micah Bell on there. It's hard for me not to have Micah Bell on there. A guy that I won't be surprised if he's on the freaks list someday. I will not be shocked if one of the two freshman linebackers is on the freaks list someday. Either Jaden Osbury or Jade Drake Bowen. I think one of those guys will be on Bruce Feldman's list at some point in time down the road. I do. Yeah. I do. It's possible. Very possible. <laughs> Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.